please. Possibly. Um, I also noticed this thing that I do a lot that's very Gen Z of me is I use my hands to talk a lot, which I think is like, this is so off topic, but I think this is like the TikTokification of hand movements. <laughs> you know how Italian people talk with their hands? Gen Z just talks with their hands, but like with their fingers out, where Italians keep their fingers in. Interesting. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally off topic. It's like doing magic tricks over there. everybody and welcome to the Woody Banter Book Club podcast. I am Maddie here with Courtney. Hello and today Maddie and I will be reviewing My Killer Vacation by Tessa Bailey. I tried to pull it up a second ago and that was not what happened. We both read these virtually because it's hard to get your hands on a physical copy and I loaned mine out and I did not get it back yet. Um, I could tell you why it's hard to find a physical copy I don't think this book is in publication anymore because it is horrible. Okay. And I'm coming at this with full aggression. Well, I liked this book and I still do. So this nope. is going to be a, a new episode, new type of episode for this us. Is, this is going to be a real frenemies episode. Okay. Uh, but no, I do think that it is out of publication though, because this book is filthy, dirty, filthy, dirty. True. And so I think it's out of publication for that reason. Which is I interesting. Also, sorry. Mm. I was going to say, which, which is interesting because the general response to this book is that most people who are Tessa Bailey fans do like this book. So I'm a little confused why it's out of publication for that reason alone, but it's a print by order or whatever. Well, it's also, it's one of her shorter books and it's been out a little bit longer than some of her others. So it is shorter. I don't know. It was she like, has like a billion books out, so I'm not. Um, for the book that we read next week, the Unfortunately Yours book, which is also another Tessa Bailey book. We're doing two Tessa Bailey books in a row. Um, that one, uh, I was reading like the Goodreads after I finished it. And it was like, does this woman do anything other than pump out books? Yeah, she's kind of cranking them out. I will so. say that even though I didn't like this book or Secretly Yours, I do like Tessa Bailey as a person. I think that she makes really funny TikToks. And, she like, I like her TikToks a lot, and I like her, like, social media presence. And we'll talk about next week's book, but I did like that book, so we'll talk about that then. Um, yeah. But this one... That one was really good. This one, Courtney, let, you're the host today. You tell me about this book. Okay, so this book follows Taylor and her brother as they embark on a cute, cutesy little vacation. Um, Taylor is an elementary school teacher, second grade teacher, um, and her brother Jude has had like some love struggles lately. He's been having a really hard time, so she saves up to take them on this little vacation. Um, and they show up, and... Things get a little crazy, right? There's some holes in the wall, and so she's kind of wigged out about potential peepers. Um, And then they find a dead body. Um, So the book is kind of a romance slash murder mystery. Murder mystery is like the subplot, I suppose. Um, And the police are kind of like writing this murder off, and... uh, the sister of the deceased person hires a, she calls in a favor. 
Um, and she hires a private investigator who used to be a police officer who is divorced. Um, and he's 35, I think. Taylor's 26, something along those lines. It's about like a 10-year age gap. He comes on down to start solving the mystery, and Taylor is, like, challenging herself. She's always thought of herself as, like, a more timid, safe person. Her parents are, like, Indiana Jones um, archaeologists who protect historical artifacts, and so she's always felt kind of, like, kind of, like, boring compared to them, I guess. Um, And so, like, she finds this body, and she's, like, not super scared by it. She wants to keep, like, pushing her limits. So she's, like, Nancy Drew in this up. Um, and she's getting in Mr. Bounty Hunter slash private investigator's way. Um, there's tension, like, right right off the bat, really. Uh, and then as this story develops, as they continue to search for who murdered the, the, the man who owns all the houses that she was staying in, um, tensions rise, things get spicy, and then at the end, the murder gets solved, and we get our happy ending as we do with most Tessa Bailey books so um admittedly I thought Maddie would like this one because of the murder mystery subplot but um I don't know I read this book last year I liked it I still like it it's not like my favorite Tessa Bailey book by any means but I don't have any problems with that I also asked Grace and she still likes it too so well I have I have specific points that I want to talk about but we can't talk about those until we get to the spoilers because there's they're pretty much like wrapped in spoilers. There's a couple things I could talk about without spoilers, but there are some things that we can't really talk about in the spoiler-free section. Okay. But That's I will fair. say that I was hooked to this book in the first chapter because it was very interesting that she found this dead body. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. But then... There's a scene that happens shortly after that that totally ruined it for me, and (laughs) we'll get into that. Um, I do have one pet peeve, just even before we get started, to put out there. This is like, this has been my issue with this book the whole time, even since the first time I read it, and that is, so Jude is Taylor's brother. He goes on vacation because he's kind of like heartbroken, lovesick, right? And we get like a little bit progression in that storyline, but I feel like she just forgot about it at the end. Totally. Um, and that kind of drove me nuts, and it still does. And I think that's one of, like, the big letdowns in this book, even though I still like it, is that I just, like, it was a huge part of the plot initially. Right. And then it just gets totally forgotten about at the end. No, I totally agree with that. I also think that she treats Jude like he's seven. Um, and it's, yeah. like, really cringy how she's like, oh, my sweet little baby brother Jude, but he's 23-year-old man. Yeah. And then there's, like, another sure, character that's, that's included. Kind of how, that's kind of how I treat my baby sister, though. Yeah, but she's 13. I'll treat her like that forever. <laughs> but she's 13. Like, she, like you guys I have a huge... Me. They're three years apart. Jude and Taylor are three years apart. Years. I don't know. That would He's be like me brother. treating you-know-who like that. Right, but you have younger siblings that are, like, the babies of the family. I'm just picturing, like, I feel like she babies him because he's the baby and her parents weren't around to, like, raise him. She's also a second grade teacher, so, of course. Oh, that was another thing that honestly kind of made me cringe. She was like, I'm a pandemic teacher. And I was like, okay. (laughs) 
but she's like i'm a pandemic i'm a pandemic teacher i can handle anything uh it just gave very like girl boss energy and it was very cringe to me that's fair but to be honest there's one part of this book that was so cringy to me it gave me the actual ick and we'll talk about that because it is the end of the book but i don't want to mention like why i feel that way until we get to that point that was a lot of millennial slash gen z speak in one it was so cringe it gave me the ick it did like i had like it literally i like you know whenever when you like this uh, oh like whenever you'd like first like start talking to a guy that you thought you liked in high school and then they would say something and you'd be like oh never mind that's how i felt about the ending of this book okay do you think in like 10 years 20 years people will watch this and it'll remind them of like when we watch stuff and people were like that's so rad that's bogus maybe but you know because of like the words that we use possibly um i also noticed something that i do a lot that's very gen z of me is i use my hands to talk a lot which i think is like this is so off topic but i think this is like the tiktokification of hand movements (laughs) you know how italian people talk with their hands gen z just talks with their hands but like with their fingers out where italians keep their fingers in interesting do do you get what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Looks like doing magic tricks over there. I'm just thinking about that. Are you gonna pull something out of your hair? Like, <laughs> anytime I hear, I feel like we, I feel like I talk about South Park a lot. But every time I hear the word magic, I think about those one that one episode of Randy doing magic when they're <laughs> when they're um they're like doing like chicken chicken fights in the, in the basement. And Randy thinks it means something else. Chicken fights with Magic the Gathering, but he thinks that it means something else. That's what I think about when I hear Magic. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. <laughs> continue. So continue. Right, so let's get into the actual review now that we've been on here for like 10 minutes. Okay, so I think I already know this answer, but Maddie, would you recommend this book to a fellow reader? Uh, no. I would not. Um, I just... Well, actually, you know what? It depends. If the person is looking for something that is totally filthy, disgusting, gross, I would say read this one. But if they are looking for something with more like a storyline and like a plot to it, I would say no. Um, Because while there's a plot in this book, it is definitely the subplot. The subplot is the actual plot of the story, and the main plot is the filthy grossness of this book. So I would say it just depends, but generally, no, I would not. Okay, so I would, uh, because I liked it. And one, yeah, it's mostly about the romance. It's a, This is like, this is not necessarily romance. It's a, it's a smut book. And there is like a, sometimes a fine line to straddle that I definitely think it crosses over. However, it's a short book, so there's not going to be a ton of plot. Um, It's also not the filthiest book I've read by a long shot. Uh, That was The Never King, and that book was vile. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's the one that you read? Yeah, you bought it here, and you were like, this is insane. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. It was the plot terrible, and I felt uncomfortable reading the rest of it. It was just not good. That is like pure smut. That's on the far end of the spectrum. Anyways, I would recommend it. I mean, maybe not to the people who like more fantasy YA type romance stuff or like romance plots that are 
more hallmarky because it's just not really like that. It's definitely smuttier. But a lot of the people that I know that read prioritize that. So I would recommend it. Um, we're going to be on the same front on this next part, I think, for sure. But would you recommend yeah. it to your teenage sister? Absolutely not. I would not recommend this to anybody who is under the age of 18. It would be very inappropriate to recommend this book to anybody under the age of 18. Yeah, uh, not a chance that a minor should read this at no. all. Mm-mm. It's it, Like I said, it crosses the line from romance necessarily into the smut arena. Um, so my sisters are certainly not allowed to read it. I would even feel uncomfortable probably if Cassidy read it, just because I don't want to know that she's reading stuff like that she's a little she's college age now but like i don't know it just makes me feel icky uh to know that she had read something that filthy but if i do it it's fine yeah no totally uh yeah i if you see somebody under the age of 18 reading this book slap it out of their hands like real quick say no none for you child yeah should not be happening um well, now we will move on to our pillar portion. So for those of you who are maybe joining us for the first time, um, Maddie and I, we do a spoiler-free portion, which is what we're doing now of the review, and then we do a spoiler portion towards the end. But part of our spoiler-free review includes four pillars of romance literature that Maddie and I think are really important to a good story most of the time. Um, so that is uh, Witty Banter, character development smut and realism um now there's other factors we've reviewed books before too where they score kind of low on those parameters but are still overall pretty good book or they do really well in certain areas but they're still kind of a bad book so it's all kind of arbitrary to be honest it's very subjective but just for consistency we review most of those things in almost every single book unless they don't apply so our first category of review is the witty banter and as you can see from the name of our podcast it's pretty important to us and we rate things on a scale of one to five so maddie what would you rate rate the witty banter of this book so i'd actually probably give it about a four or a five it was really really witty there are parts that are really funny i think that they had uh, a good like witty thing because they are kind of like not necessarily enemies to lovers but definitely like not friends or friendly at first to lovers and because of that I think that it it makes room for the wittiness to like exist which we talked about before how like when it's like friends to lovers and stuff like it's the witty the wittiness is just not there but I thought it was here and I thought it was really good so either a four or five I think probably a four is what I'm gonna give it like but it's like a high four Okay. Yeah, I think there's some good wit in there, and you're right. They're not necessarily enemies. It reminds me, not necessarily the characters, but the dynamic. It reminds me a lot of things we never got over, um, just because Nox is, like, the brooding whatever, and Naomi's, like, the princessy one, which is very much how Taylor and Miles are portrayed throughout the book. And so even though they're not, like, mortal enemies or work enemies or whatever, there is that tension that's kind of building between them and it's because she's nosy and she doesn't really have the skills to be investigating a murder and he's trying to get answers um and so like there's some good tension there there's a lot of funny moments um i will say i tried to do since i read this book last year i tried to do the audiobook for this 
And I am begging anyone who wants to read this book and has an after this review to not listen to the audiobook because the voice actor that they picked for Miles sounds like creepy William De- William Defoe. Um, and it made it absolutely horrific to listen to it. I tried for like 30 minutes and I had to put it down because it just, the voice actor, it was so bad. It was not sexy at all. It was creepy. Um, so I then put the audiobook down and reread the copy on my phone. But please, for the love of God, don't listen to the audiobook. It'll ruin it for you. Anyways, um, I'd, I'd give it a four, I think, also on the witty banter. There's good chemistry there, good yeah. conflict for them to go off of, mm-hmm. and they're they both have some good funny moments. Um, okay, so character development scale of one to five, uh, like a two. Okay. The, the only person who has any quote unquote character development in this book is Miles. It- um. Okay, I'm gonna give it a little bit of a higher rating than that. I think. What Tessa Bailey was trying to do with Taylor is have her come out of her shell a little bit, right? Because she's supposed to be, like, this plate-safe elementary school teacher and all these people around her have, like, fun, crazy jobs and she feels like she's always been the boring one. Um, Now, I don't think that was executed perfectly and I think it's also kind of a struggle because the first chapter we get the dead body and then she's like, oh, I'm not that scared by that. I want to continue looking into this. So we don't get a lot of the buildup of her, like, being the plate-safe person aside from her just saying that that's how she is so I think it makes it a little less impactful because we don't get to see the actual transition we just hear about how she was before but she's portrayed the same way throughout the rest of the book as like wanting to be involved in all these things that she considers a little bit more scary I guess now Miles has been like he is he had a marriage that went south so I feel like that's part of his character development and like so interesting because it's only mentioned his... one time that he's divorced. Oh my god, so crazy. Um, but like, and he used to be a police officer that didn't go well. I could kind of see the like, I don't want to say insecurity, but like his lack of confidence in himself. Not in like a in in. I don't know, in certain ways, like in relationship type ways, in career type ways. And then like throughout the book, he kind of opens up in the sense that like he starts to get really strong feelings for Taylor, which he didn't think would happen because of his previous encounters. Now, I also don't think that was executed super, super, super well, but I I did see where she was going with it. I just think like on both sides, there could have been a little bit more foundation so I'm going to give it, like, a mid-level three. Um, really, the issue with them was, like, will they, won't they? Like, do they want to do some sort of commitment thing? Is it not really meant to be? And then at the end of the book, we get our happy ending. So you kind of know how that goes. But I don't know. It, there's some other Tessa Bailey books where the tension's built up really well, but then we actually get to see them together as a couple, and I just didn't really get that throughout this book. So I guess it was lacking in that regard. But I didn't think it was as low as a two. So I'm going to give it a three. Um, okay. Smut. <laughs> One to five. So I would give it a five in the spiciness. Like, it is filthy. This book is filthy, dirty, gross. Let's see. Let's some other, like, adjectives I can use to describe this book. 
heinous heinous yes strange there's a couple of parts in this book where i'm like whoa what it what just happened like i don't think this is too much of a spoiler but like in the first two chapters he just licks her just they're just talking and then he just licks her Yeah, the silence is deafening, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't even have anything to say about that, do you? Uh, yeah, he like they're just—it's literally in the first like two chapters. Um, there, it's—it is odd. There's a lot. Like, I, I listen. I appreciate some smut, okay, in some books. I like when there's a storyline that involves them like liking each other and like a will they won't they sort of thing they just like went right into it and i was like this is moving too fast for me i'm not i'm not interested in any of this um so it's a five in the spiciness in terms of it being like something that i enjoyed reading it's like a one i just did not really enjoy any of these so i guess what's the average of that four five and a one yeah the average of five and one is three. Oh yeah you're right <laughs> five plus one divided by two yeah i don't know so, it was what it was i'll give it a four there's one i mean the stomach licking's a little weird yeah i'll be honest uh it is very spicy i liked where they got towards the end there's also a scene in a parking lot that i'm just it's yeah. a little impractical a little. Uh, <laughs> uh so i'm also not like a fan of exhibitionism so that one is a little much for me i guess oh. and we're back all right um all right realism scale of one to five like a zero like a one I don't think that this is, like, realistic at all. I think there's other books that have been more unrealistic that we've given a higher score. Like what? Um... I mean, I think we gave, um, Love in the Time of Serial Killers a little bit higher. Well, that one's not unrealistic. I don't think- I mean, like, it's not super realistic, but it's not unrealistic. We gave- Things you never got over a higher realism score than that, and the end of that is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's true. But see, this one, I just have a hard time believing that she could easily go into these crime scenes, like li literal crime scenes. Yeah, I also, mean, like, sorry, this is just like another tangent that I have to go on. They're in Cape Cod. They're not in, like, some small town where there's no people around. They're in, like, one of the most busy body places in the entire country. And you think that she could just go into these crime scenes? No. Not believing it. Um, well, I think people get into crime scenes all the time, Maddie. It's not, like... What do you know? You don't know anything about these things. Oh, you know nothing about crime scenes, Courtney. I've, yeah, you're right. I haven't ha at all had to take constitutional Courtney, or criminal law. Soon to be JD. Yeah. What would I know? Um, yeah, you know nothing. Crime scenes evidence all the time. 
I just don't find it to be very realistic. Especially considering how, like, Cape Cod is, like, so wealthy. Like, their police force would be way better than this. All right. Well, I don't think it's deserving of a zero. Again, we've given we've given other books that are way more unrealistic higher scores. The fact of the matter is, no matter how good of a book it is, Red, White, and Royal Blue is super unrealistic. Generally, no, that's real. It's a great book. It's real to me. The, po- the politics part's realistic, but like a president's child and the heir to the the British throne. Yeah. Okay, that's not realistic. In any world. Watch, just because you said that. Oh, now Hunter Biden's but- gonna go hook up with... What? <laughs> Prince Harry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyways. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give it, like, a three. I think yeah. that's an equitable number. No, I just don't... I mean, like, realistically, it's probably, like, a two. It's just not very real. I mean, like... I just don't find it to be realistic. Like, well, yes. What do you expect from me? But, um, it's just, like, I... Listen, I know that there's people who are, as you referred to them earlier, exhibitionists. Um, they take it to, like, a whole new level. Alright? They're just hanging out. giving things away. Well, I'll cut this out. But still... (laughs) Okay, I look. I'm not giving uh, three is not like a high high score. Too damn high. Okay. Anyways, overall, <laughs> overall score uh, review score on the book one to five. I gave it a two because I liked the mystery element of it. I liked the murder mystery parts. All those parts were fun and interesting to read. And I think that if the book had been a little bit longer, I think that she probably could have developed that plot line a little bit better than it was. Because I think my, I think I think the reason why I'm so mad at this book is that it had a great premise. Like, it had just, like, a great idea that could have just been executed so much better than the way it was. Like, I, I have no problem with, like, this, like, frilly little teacher falling in love with this big, scary bounty hunter guy... Or a private investigator guy and like I them like solving a murder and doing all these things. I just feel like the murder, like you said, was the subplot and the smut was the plot. And I just did not like that. And I think that this book could have been so much better than it was. And I'm just really disappointed with the way that it ended up being about the romance and not about the murder and romance. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give it a high three, because it's by no means my favorite Tess Bailey book. Definitely not my favorite book ever. I liked it the first time I read it. I liked it the second time I read it. I won't be reading it again. Like, the only reason I reread it was probably for this podcast, but I liked it the first time. I liked it just as fine the second time. It's a short book. It wasn't bad. So I'm gonna give it um, a high three. It's not a four. But really? it's not quite like a a low three for me either. I, I'm really glad that we didn't end up having on our guests this week because I would be incredibly uncomfortable to talk about parts of this book with them. Okay. 
Um, I read parts no, of this book when we initially I discussed know. making a podcast. I know. Out loud. I know. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I could, I don't think I could look Kevin in the face and be like, so what did you think about this book? He would be like, Maddie, what did you have me read? <laughs> He'd be like, now I understand somebody being pushed up against a wall. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was going for with Kevin's introduction to Roman. <laughs> um, Kevin would play a really good role in this book as his alter ego from the Christmas party. Yeah, he would probably be the guy who did it. Yeah. The person who did it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> good thing he's got his lawyer present, his lawyer and police officer. That's right. Um, okay, well, now we are exiting the spoiler-free portion of this review. So if you have not read this book, get out of here. Um, if you don't want to read this book and you'd like to hear the spoiler portion, stick around. Um, you know, if you are going to read it, head out come back later we'd love that save mm -hmm. this little video for later um but yeah i don't have any castings either so I'm i've totally forgotten do. that that we've been doing cast that we were doing castings we have not I done them we in only, weeks. i think we only do it when like someone particular comes to mind or if it's a book where like the characters have but a lot of times i, I can only place like one person for casting and mm -hmm. so it's just not but i like to check anyways all right yeah. so spoiler What's, no we gotta take it you gotta say we're gonna take an ad break remember oh yes um but before we jump into the spoiler portion of this review we are going to take a brief ad break okay. see you soon <laughs> okay hello and welcome back to our spoiler portion of this review of my killer vacation by tessa bailey i am gonna go ahead and let maddie lead this section because she seems to be the one with the most qualms so i do have we'll see we'll see if we get into it or not but i'm just gonna let her kind of take over with that and maybe i'll defend certain parts if i think they need defending all right i have one two three four five six seven things that i wrote down that i wanted to talk about first of all Big question. I already asked it once, but why does this woman keep treating her 23-year-old brother like he is a child? It is so, like, degrading to his own character where she's just, like, treating him like a baby. And you can tell from the way that he interacts that he does not like that she does that, but she continues to treat him like a little tiny baby boy when he's a 23-year-old grown man who works right. in a zoo. Here's my, here's my defense to that. 23-year-old men are not the same as 23-year-old adult women Valid. in terms of maturity. Okay? Number two, she's a 7th grade, or 7th grade, 2nd grade teacher. Number three, she said throughout the book that she basically raised Jude because her parents were off on whatever. So think of, like, I almost think of it as, like, a mom-boy relationship more but so than like a sibling one and i also think just because of her career she's used to like coddling people and she's coddled jude her, his whole life and i when i picture a 23 year old man like now that i'm a 25 year old woman i don't picture like a super mature put together person and he's also doing dangerous shit all the time like at the zoo 
So, like, I think she's just overprotective. I think she has more of, like, a mom-son dynamic with him than a typical sibling relationship because of the way they grew up. And because of her career, she coddles people. But she's three years older than him. Not ten. Not seven. Not six. She's three years older than him. How much raising could she have been doing? What'd she have to do? Stay home, like, every now and then to hang out with him? I don't know they don't go into detail in the book but like if her parents are not in town who do you think is like she just has the big sister vibe and like i neither of us are good references my oldest sibling is six years younger than me and your closest sibling didn't grow up with you i mean it's just like i i just don't three like three years is not that much time for an example um we were just talking about kevin kevin and i are three years apart that would be me like talking to kevin be like oh little baby kevin always such a little baby but he's not he's a grown man i mean i don't know but like i don't think that's the case for most men like i don't think most 23 year old men i think women mature at a much faster rate in their 20s emotionally and stuff like that so i don't like I don't know. I, I can definitely see potential for more of a disparity between the maturity of a woman who's three years older than a 23-year-old man. That being said, maybe it is a little bit over the top, but I don't think that Tessa didn't lay the foundations for that to be her personality. Like, it makes sense to me based on all of these other factors. Okay, so then, so, okay, so he's 23 years old, right? He's really upset because his favorite panda has died, which is sad. Um, I feel like that, I I think it's also because of the relationship issues. What relationship issues? Not relationship, but, like, the, Tessa Tessa alludes to, like, him having issues with his guy best friend, and he's gay. Right. Well, that that was something else that I wanted. like, the underlying issue with him, aside from the panda, I think he's just, like, having a lot of rough shit coming up. So I would I would be inclined to believe that if Tessa Bailey didn't mention that it has been years since he has talked to Dante. And then for some reason Dante comes been like calling him and stuff though. But he's not talking to him and that's like it's different than like if if for some reason one of my ex best friends started calling me every single day, I would not be like I'm pretty sure this way. Okay. I felt like Tessa Bailey was alluding to the fact that like her brother and her brother's best friend had hooked up. Well, no, I got I also got that vibe. Well then it's not just a friend then. Like I just more invested than that. Okay, well then let me change it. If one of my ex-boyfriends started calling me every single day, I'd be like, what the hell's wrong with them? Yeah, I mean Also another qualm. Dante comes back in like the last i don't know like sometime sometime in like the last 25 percent of the book and it just felt so unnecessary and like well it was rushed rushed. yeah so that's that was when i was talking earlier in the episode about like how i felt like she built up this plot between dante and jude and then just kind of forgot about it at the end. Like, we don't get to hear, really, their conversation. There's no resolution as to, like, are they friends again? Like, were mm-hmm. they messing around? What was going on? It's just kind of 
forgotten. And I already said that was a pet peeve of mine for the book, so I'll agree with that. But that that's another thing. Another reason why I think the book should have been longer is that there's just like so much information that's left out of the murder and subplots, but the smut's there. So thank God that's there. But everything else just kind of got like pushed to the side. Even the ending of the book, I think, was a horrible ending. And I guess we could talk about it now also. But like sure. I the, the fact that she's like, you know, they like hook up and like things are fine. And then she's like, I'm gonna go back to Boston, right? She lives no, he lives in Boston. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She lives she lives somewhere in Massachusetts, right? And like he follows her home on his bike and she like gets out of the car and she's like, I'm going home. Like I don't want to like I don't know, like, this is just supposed to be, like, a fun little fling or whatever. And then he, like, follows her, and he's like, oh, by the way, like, I quit my job and, like, all this stuff. And I'm just like, ugh! And then, like, he follows her home, and he, like, enters into her house, and she's like, um, I guess this is where you would park if we were dating. And he goes, can you see me here? Can you see me in your bed? Can you see me in your kitchen eating your food? And I'm like, ugh! This, I don't, ugh! 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 I mean, okay, it, you're acting like throughout the book, there wasn't a buildup at all of like her having feelings for him. There was, the conflict is that he doesn't want to be in a relationship. He, he wants to go back to Boston, whatever, like that's throughout the book. So from like an earlier portion of the book, they almost have like this agreement, right? Where it's just going to be hooking up. And I feel like in other books that we've read, there has been that. And then the man has to take the step forward to be like, well, no, I actually want this. I also just think you don't like these characters. So you're interpreting it as being creepy as opposed to like looking at what Tessa built up earlier in the book. I... For their conflict and their relationship. It's not like she this whole time just wanted to hook up with him never had feelings for him and then didn't want him to follow her and they don't end up together like you're making it sound like it's you but that's kind of how it was i mean they i hook, don't think so I, that's the thing though is like they hook up and then there seems to be some sort of disconnect at the end of the book like the, like there is genuinely a disconnect between how they feel about each other and like what they're going to do and then he gives up everything to go be with her and usually i have no issue with that that happens in like every one of these books like somebody's given up something to go be with the other person but it was just like in this book like there was like i seriously did not see the connection between like him following her home and that being some sort of grand romantic gesture to me it was very much like I felt like she was kind of pushed into a corner for this relationship despite the fact that she liked being with him during vacation and despite the fact that she had a good time on her vacation and that she liked him I still did not feel like any serious connection between the two and I felt like this is something else I want to talk about is that once they got together this, it's it's like set on you. Once they got together, I just did not feel the chemistry staying the same as it was before they had gotten together. And that was another issue I had with it moving so fast is because since they were moving so fast, it just, this is a five, this is five days also. Well, I'd like to point that out. This all happens in five days. In five days, he decides he's going to give up his whole life, his whole entire life for her. 
Okay, we're going to have to revisit this in the next book then. If you yep. want to talk about... I'm just saying. I think you're interpreting... I think you didn't like this book, and so you're interpreting it as creepy. But I think the foundation was laid. I think it ends like a lot of other romantic books end. I, and I... I, I I don't think that these people are in love. I think that they are deep in lust. Okay. And so because of that, it just ruins the ending. Well, I don't agree. I don't know what you want me to say besides what I've already said. And then uh, these two do it. Oh, wait, before we get to that, this man is popping antacids. Like they are freaking Pez. Okay, it was like, at the beginning of the book, he's taking antacids every single second. He's like, I gotta take an antacid, which, relatable, okay? I understand, you know, <laughs> I be popping those Tums all the time. But he keeps bringing it up, and then as soon as he gets together with her, he no longer needs antacid. And I wish that was the case. I wish that once I, like, had met Terry, I would never need to take another antacid again in my life. Unfortunately, not the case. But I did think it was funny how many times antacids were brought up in this book. I think it's almost a literary device of showing, like, how he feels about her through the book. Like, she's very stressful and stuff in the beginning, and it makes a lot of these things in him flare up. And then as they come closer together throughout the book, he has a lesser need for them. Um, uh, I thought it, I thought it was kind of like a literary device to show how old he is. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's part of it, but, like, it's, it, part, I think it's also partially to show, like, I mean, from, from that standpoint, too, you could say, like, when he starts getting together with her, it makes him feel younger and stuff, too, but I think they served a purpose, aside from, uh, I don't necessarily think it's the best literary device ever, but I see what the purpose of it was. Mm. Yeah. I guess. But I just thought it was funny how funny. I thought I just thought it was funny how often she was bringing up antacids. Um, okay, and then finally, the last thing I'd like to talk about is how they do it in the weirdest places. Uh, we've got... First, he licks her. Odd. Strange. Imagine meeting a man for the first time. <laughs> and he just licks you. Without any, any sort of warning or anything like that. Just... Um, you know, Maddie, we spent quite a, a bit of time at ASU parties. I don't know that that necessarily ever happened, but... I would never let somebody at an ASU party lick me. You don't necessarily let them do it. They just do weird crap there. I guess that's... I mean, that's very valid. Um, we've got a cave. While people are, like, swimming and, like, her brother's getting stung by a jellyfish. Also, I didn't know that they had jellyfish, like, way up there. I thought jellyfish were, like, a, a Florida thing. We got, um, oh, the parking lot? Yeah, that one was the only one, not the only one, but that one was the one where I was most, like, uncomfortable, I guess. It's, yeah. Exhibition, exhibitionism? Not a fan of that. Yeah. No, but I read the crime scene one just shook me to my core. I was I was reading it and like Terry's laying next to me and I'm like, oh my god. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I gotta read this to you. And I was reading it to him and he's like, in a crime scene? I'm like, in a crime scene. Indeed. 
Yeah, good thing they were there. Wait, is it was it when they were there when they stepped on the uh the board with like the letter in so. it? I think so. Or was that af- beforehand? I don't remember, but Yeah, but those are my qualms with the book. Uh very odd behavior on Miles's part. I agree with some of those. I disagree with others. I I'm not like going to die on this hill for this book. It's not the best one ever, but I didn't think it was bad. I I did I will say that I had more of an enjoyable time reading this one than I did Secretly Yours. Um because yeah. I just like I don't like I don't what I don't like about Secretly Yours is the way it approaches certain topics and I don't want to get into it in case anybody here has not read it. But yeah, I don't want to get too into it. I also noticed that in this book, she does mention that same trope again very briefly, just to say that that's not how she is. Um, but I, I just don't like how often she brings it up. And I think she also brings it up in Unfortunately Yours, and I don't like that either. So. All right. Well... I don't really have much else to say. Maddie didn't like this book. I don't mind it. It's not the top of it's not at the top of either of our lists. But um with that being said, next week we will be reviewing again another Tessa Bailey book, unfortunately yours. Um, which is a pretty good book. Uh definitely higher up. Um and you can- so you can what? tell in this book that she is more experienced writer than she was in My Killer Vacation. Oh, totally. And, like, she made the characters from Secretly Yours more enjoyable in this book. Mm-hmm. Probably because they weren't around a ton. <laughs> but um, they're also, but also in this book, and we'll get into it in, when we review it, I also thought that, like, there were some subplot lines that were not sufficiently cleaned up towards the end yeah i think my general issue is i just don't like how fast that book but both of these books moved um like i i know i've talked about this before but like i met my boyfriend and started dating him the same day that we met like it's like it was like the same exact day and i find that to be unrealistic in books where like they're like falling in love and like giving up everything in their lives to be with the other person in five days time i just don't believe that that is a smart decision and i think god i don't want to get too far into this book i think there's a little bit more of a build-up in this one to yeah like it's not like they meet then Mm -hmm. they've known each other for a while but anyways that concludes this episode on my killer vacation by tessa bailey um thank you for joining us if you're joining us on spotify or apple podcasts thanks for giving us a listen give us a review um please and thank you for those of us watch for those of you watching us on youtube thank you please subscribe and leave a like on this video if you don't already follow us on social media we have accounts on facebook instagram pinterest and tiktok it's all at the witty banter book club and we also have an etsy store where we sell bookmarks and all of the proceeds go towards funding parts of the podcast we really appreciate your support in that regard um and until next time happy Happy reading. reading